Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Daniel Hagen. Ah, glory to God. Who's happy to be in church today? Cool, we've got a few people. Awesome. Yeah, wonderful. A few people at the front are happy. Anyone happy down the back to be in church today? Oh, that's the way. Glory to God. Good to see some uh, familiar faces. We do have our newest member. You guys are doing well in making disciples. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply. Little Celeste, is that right? Oh, first church service. Oh, she's not happy. Some little. You guys having some sleep? A little bit? Give Max and Jan a round of applause in their family. It's really cool. Hey, buddy. High five. Awesome. Praise God. It's good to be back in church. Good to be back home, I should say. Grab your seats. We're going to get into uh, some scripture. I've got a fair bit of scripture I want to get through uh, this morning into the afternoon. Nine till 12. Nine minutes till 12. So uh, for those who do have the Bibles, you can go to Isaiah 60, verse 1 and verse 2. They're going to be our foundational scriptures that we're going to branch from today. The title of the message is Arise and Shine. I feel like it's a prophetic message. Uh, to some degree, every, when we preach from the Word of God, it's always prophetic because the Word of God is always alive, it's active, and it's always relevant. But sometimes there's what I term Rima words as well, where we have the Logos, but then we also have the Rima, and it's a word in season. And I believe that this is a word in season for us, uh, individually, for sure, but also as a, as a collective, as, as a family, as, as our fire family, uh, but also as a nation. And I feel like uh, for the nations, in, in the times and the season that we're in, in terms of Christianity and what we're facing and what's approaching, I feel that this is very, very important that we understand this. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, verse 2, uh, it is written by Isaiah some uh, at least 500 years, depending on scholars may differ, but at least 500 years before the days of Jesus. But this is indeed, just like Isaiah 53, 5, the the prophetic scriptures around the atonement in terms of what Jesus did. This also is a prophetic uh, scripture describing Jesus as being the light, the light in us. And we're going to look into that a little bit further, but I believe that this is prophetic for, the, for, the, um, for Jesus, uh, but also it's prophetic for us right now, okay? You guys good with that? So we're going to look at that shortly. Um, I have just been back from... Europe, and uh, we were there with Awakening Music. Uh, does anyone remember me talking about an experience that I had in Nigeria around a year and a half ago with a church group called RCCG? I don't know if you remember. Uh, it was around the time that Reinhard Bonnke had his last uh, message in Nigeria. It was his very last preach in Nigeria, and I had the great privilege and honor to be a, a guest uh, at that meeting. And so I went to Nigeria to see that last message that Reinhard Bonnke preached. He's a hero of ours, and many of you guys would have heard of Reinhard Bonnke and the phenomenal fruit that his ministry has seen throughout Africa. Well, we were in Nigeria, and uh, after we got to see the message, hundreds of thousands gathered around the preaching of the gospel. Uh, thousands of people got saved. I then had the privilege of going to check out a church, uh, a little church, of around 3.5 million. <laughs> you remember that? And uh, we tried to do like a Facebook Live. No, there's not a camera on earth that could do it justice. It was just as far as the eye could see. It was mind-blowing. It opened up my mind, and it was just before we were approaching the Awakening Australia. So it gave me faith for the Marvel Stadium. It's like, if God can do this in Nigeria and build a 3.5 million auditorium, then he can fill a stadium in, in Melbourne. So uh, a stadium is like a home group to them, you know what I mean? It's like, 
But the interesting thing was we were talking to some of the leaders there. We got to connect with some of the Nigerian leaders and they were telling us it was only 30 years ago that it would have been a miracle in Nigeria to gather uh, 2,000 people only 30 years ago. So it's gone from 2,000 people, a conference that was a miracle to gather that many people in Nigeria, to now 3.5 million, only in a 30-year period. Who believes that can happen in our nation? Come on, just faith. But I can tell you one of the keys was prayer. Those guys are having major breakthrough. I think it's now probably the, the biggest church in the world. Major breakthrough, but they haven't stopped praying. When we were there on the grounds in the auditorium, they had pockets of people that were nonstop praying, nonstop interceding, not just for their church, but for this nation, for the nations around the world. And so that was a great experience. So from there, uh, we connected with the movement in general. And they also have church plants predominantly uh, ministering to their own Nigerian community all throughout Europe. I think they have around 180 churches in, in Europe. And uh, they, some of their leaders came along to Awakening Prague in the Czech Republic, and they were so impacted by what God did in Prague. They've been trying to reach out to the European people and have been struggling. They've been having some success amongst their own Nigerian community, but not really being able to reach out to uh, the European people. And they recognized it as being somewhat of a difficult harvest. Well, they thought it was until they saw what took place at the uh, arena in, in Prague. And so from there, they connected with us and they said, listen, at our next biannual conference, we want to bring you guys in to help us uh, to reach out to the uh, European people. We want to work together. It's the first time, from my understanding, it's the first time in, in their European history that they've uh, brought in people from outside their Nigerian community. So we're seeing nations work together different people groups coming together, working together in unity. So it's not just a black church, white church. We're all coming together. We're mixing together. It's one kingdom, one Jesus, and, uh, and working together to reach out. So it had some difficulties because they have different cultures than what we do. I've got dreadlocks. They're not really into that sort of stuff. I'm a Rastafarian in the Af African culture, and, and that doesn't go well. And so they had to make some... Uh, it was a pretty big deal, actually, to allow some of us to come in and disrupt some of their cultural things. And, uh, but the end result was amazing. It was the first time coming together. We saw a lot of people saved. And I believe that there's been some long-term connections and relationships that have been built as a result of that. So I wanted to share that with you because uh, when we go to Europe on behalf of Awakening, it's, it's a part of our mission arm. Awakening Australia, Awakening Europe, it's a part of our mission arm where we work together. We, uh, we support Awakening. The same with the work that we do in Mozambique with Ash and Roz Field, with uh, Frank Clancy and all of the rescue team that go into our indigenous communities. Uh, we just have Gabe and Charity uh, go into South America. They've just gone for, for a missions trip. So we're branching out and reaching out into a lot of different places, which is amazing. So we, we're a local church, but we're also a global church. And uh, we plan on actually bringing you some statistics this year and, and just showing you guys uh, how we've been able to impact uh, a lot of different places as a result of our church being not only local but global as well. Does that sound all right? So that's where I've been, but I am certainly glad to be back home. It's awesome. Um, you guys been doing okay? I've been following along on social media. looks like you guys are just absolutely killing it, killing the devil. That's amazing that you're able to lead the cafe owners to Jesus, and now you're bringing church to them. I love it. Now let's give Jesus some more praise for that. I don't know. That's, that's mind-blowing. That's so cool. All right, so let's get into our passage, our foundational passage. Uh, the event that I just came from in Holland, by the way, it was in Holland, which was really cool. First time I got to go to Holland. My dad's from Holland. I've got heritage there. got to meet some cousins that I've never met before, told them about Jesus. They come to some of the meetings. It was awesome. God's getting the family. So um, the name of the event was called Arise. Preaching at another, the next conference I preach at is called Arise in Shepparton, of all places. They don't know each other. Friends of ours are currently in a conference called Arise, and this Arise keeps coming up. And uh, sometimes when that happens for me, it's the language of the Spirit. God's trying to say something. And so I'm dr being drawn to this passage, in, and a number of other things as well have been leading me to this passage. The, language of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, leading me to this passage in Isaiah 61, and it starts off with the words, arise and shine. Hence the title of this message, arise and shine. I feel like this is a very 
prophetic message for our house, as I mentioned before, and for this nation and the nations. So let's read it and let's begin to to pick it apart and uh, hopefully you'll get something out of this. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, everyone say behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, if you continue reading, it talks about the blessing that's going to come upon the people of God and how we're a city on a hill and the Gentiles will come from uh, all over the place and will gather around this light as we, uh, as Christians, arise and shine. But I'm just going to hang around those uh, first two verses. And before we go into the arise and shine and... uh, and, the, and talk about the glory of the Lord that's seen upon us. So first of all, I want to talk about the deep darkness that the Bible talks about here. Okay, everyone say deep darkness. This is really important for us to understand. I somewhat want to categorize or give you three categories of this deep darkness. And it's, uh, it helps describe what the enemy is trying to do and is doing on the earth and upon the people with this deep darkness. Three categories. So if you're making notes, I want you to write this down. This is really important. That you stay away from this, that you stay out of it, and that you endure in our Christian faith without fear. Thank you, bro. Uh, Jet lag is still lingering. So uh, I have a double espresso shot here for the jet lag. And, uh, and then this one's just to help the medicine go down. <laughs> Is that okay? Pray for my addiction if you like. I call it a blessing. <laughs> this is good for you. Less likely I'll preach heresy when I have some good coffee. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, amen. Say to, the neighbor, say to your neighbor, coffee is a good thing. The message got better in the last service after the coffee, for sure. All right. That was actually really good. So three categories. Uh, The first one, temptations. So we're to stay away from temptations. This is all a part of the deep darkness that covers the earth and covers the people or is trying to cover the people. And in particular, the people of God. So we need to be aware of this and uh, we need to make sure that we understand and we're aware of the deceitfulness, the trickery of the enemy, the devil. There really is a devil. He's not a little red cartoon character with a pitchfork. This cute little thing that sits on your shoulder and an angel on the other side. That's not quite how it works. This is a real fallen angel that was once a principality and uh, rebelled against God, the author of evil, the father of lies, and, uh, and he has at least a third of an innumerable company of angels that followed him in a rebellion. So that means there's a lot of demons that are working against us, that are driving this very darkness that we read about here in Isaiah 60. So we need to be aware of it. So I'm going to go a little bit deep and a little bit dark here, if if that's okay with you guys, if you can bear with me. But we're going to come back up up again, and we're going to finish off by talking about the light, okay? But we need to understand the darkness. It's quite interesting that scientifically, darkness in itself, from what I understand, can't be measured. Darkness is actually the absence of light. Light can be measured, but darkness is the absence from light. And that's a good analogy because a lot of people say, well, if God is so real, why is there so many crazy things happening throughout the earth and through people? Why is it evil? The Jonestown 
um, murders that took place, the weird cults that are rising up. The, uh, just today, uh, when I was, I was up early praying and interceding today about this very deep darkness that's covering the earth and the people, and then uh, I, I see uh, a friend of mine uh, made mention of another terrorist attack today in America this morning in a Jewish synagogue, a shooting on the last day of the Easter celebrations. Just recently, we had hundreds killed in Sri Lanka. New Zealand, all this crazy stuff. And sometimes people say, well, if God's real, how can all that stuff happen? That's just to name a few things. I mean, there's crazy stuff going on that's not even being reported. How can God be real if there's this much darkness in the world? And the analogy of the light versus the darkness is a, is a great way to describe what's going on. The world, when it's void of God, has evil in it. God is not the author of that evil. Do you understand that? He created the author of the evil. He created Lucifer, but when he created Lucifer, Lucifer was perfect. He didn't create him evil. He created him with a free will. Free will is very important to understand. Love is not love unless it is a free will, unless there's free will involved. And God is love. So he created Lucifer. Lucifer started this whole thing when he first rebelled and all the angels. So he's the author of evil. He's, Lucifer does not have God in him, and that's why he is darkness. And anyone else that does not have God in them is darkness, has evil in them, and that's why they must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And the whole world needs it. The whole world needs Jesus. There's no other way to God. There's no other way to have the light. There's no other way to be forgiven. There's no other way to enter the kingdom of God but through Jesus Christ. The world's trying to shut us up. The darkness is trying to stop us from shining our light and declaring that truth. But we must continue to arise and shine even in the midst of the darkness. Amen? So we need to be aware of temptations. There's all sorts of temptations. Sin on many levels has risen all throughout the earth. Sexual immorality, uh, drug addiction, alcoholism, all of these things. People are just looking to fill this void in their heart because there's just emptiness and there's darkness and they need God and so they try all these different things. Different partners, sex outside of marriage, adultery, all this crazy stuff that causes us to spiral out of control. And humanity is just in a mess. False religions, all of these crazy, crazy things. So temptation is a part of this darkness. Deceptions. We need to stay out of deception. I'm going to talk about that a little further. And persecutions. That's another category. Three main categories that help to describe this gross darkness that's upon the earth. It comes in different forms, and persecution is certainly one of them. As Christians, we need to understand that we will face persecution. Persecution will come our way. When you decide to arise and shine, persecution will come your way. It's not something that you can get out of. Unless you back down, unless you put your light under the basket, you back into your box, you let the devil kick you while you're down, keep your mouth shut, don't talk, don't share the light. Be intimidated by the people around you. Be worried about what people think. Don't say anything. Shouldn't talk about Jesus. Fall prey to the political correct spirit that is trying just to mess everything up and ultimately trying to keep the gospel shut up. Persecution will come your way if you kick against that. Israel Falal, for example. Now, you might not be totally uh, in agreement with the way he delivered the message, but in reality, he simply posted a scripture that's in the New Testament that Christians have believed and followed for thousands of years. And by the way, Australia, you celebrate Christmas holidays and Easter holidays because our nation was built on Christian principles. Even our holiday structure is based on, these, on this very faith of Christianity and the Bible. And Australia, you still, even though they're trying to push this out, uh, we have the Bibles in our courtrooms. Our constitution was built 
on Christian value, values and the, the very scriptures that Israel posted on a social media post. And then persecution came his way because he, he shone the light and exposed the evil and really just told people straight that if you continue in sin, you're going to go to hell. I'm sorry if that's offensive to you, but it's the truth. And it's the truth that'll set you free. So sure, you know, his approach, and you can, you can debate the approach, but at the end of the day, it's just quite bizarre that you can't make a statement in t today's world without risking losing your job, and it's a $4 million contract. But I thank God that he stood and uh, decided not to back down from that. Now, we may differ on some things, but I thank God that he stood. And today, we need to arise and shine, even in the midst of persecution. Deep darkness, we're facing it. Terror attack in America, Sri Lanka, New Zealand, crazy dark stuff that took place. And uh, Nigeria, all sorts of places that aren't on the mainstream media that aren't getting a mention. There's darkness, deep darkness, crazy stuff that's going on. And it's coming in many different forms, in many different ways. Jesus warned about this. He said, signs of the end of age. In Matthew 24, he says, Jesus warned about deception, false prophets. We see the rise of the Mormon church, Joseph Smith. We see um, different types of groups that have gone away and, and gone astray from Orthodox Christianity, Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, I mentioned the Jonestown crazy stuff that took place in the 90s, and there's some other weird cults, and, and we see the rise of Islam and false religions that are, uh, are trying to drown out the Christian message, the true Christian message. Jesus warned about these false prophets in these last days, warned that many would be deceived. In another passage, it says, that even the elect, even the very elect in the last days are going to be deceived. This is part of the, dark, the deep darkness that has come upon the earth. Jesus talks about the signs of the end times, wars and rumors of wars. We see that nation against nation. We see that happening, rumors of wars and an increase in the amount of casualties and killings as a result of wars right around the world. Famines. And it's interesting, even with the rise of technology and our ability to do things, technology is amazing and we can have, you know, there's, there's a lot of breakthroughs with medicine and all sorts of things, which, which is amazing, yet still darkness is still continuing to increase, even with the, the rise of technology. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus forewarned, and the Bible forewarns about this, famines, pestilence, that is epidemic diseases, even with the rise of medicine in many different places and certain, certain areas of breakthrough in God's mercy, we're still seeing a rise in sickness and disease that cannot be cured. Unless you have Jesus, that is. Amen? And earthquakes. They're just a few things that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24. Then we have a look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And it's the Apostle Paul writing to young Timothy. He's a pastor in the Ephesus church. And if this scripture was relevant to him then, then I want to tell you it's even more, thousands of times more relevant to us right now. And uh, let's, if we can bring this one up, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Thank you, you've already got it there. Doing a good job today. It says, now the Spirit expressly says, so we're reading this, the, the immediate context is Paul talking to young Timothy, warning him, giving him a heads up so he can help his congregation, giving him a heads up about this deep darkness that's trying to come upon the earth and upon the people of God. Now the Spirit expressly says, so this is a this is not just a normal verse. This is the Spirit of God expressly saying it. In other words, there's an urgency about this passage, about this truth, about this statement from God himself. The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, that is absolutely us right now. If Jesus talked about the signs of the end of the age, and we're seeing that those signs are absolutely coming to pass right now, then we need to take heed. And if this says in the latter times, 
The Spirit says that some will depart from the faith. We need to take heed. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. This is all a part of that persecution category, the temptation category with the deceiving spirits. Uh, like this, the rise in, in, uh, in hyper-grace, where a lot of the church just think that grace is a license to, con- to continue sinning. That's not correct. Be careful of that. Don't swallow that pill. Don't think you can stay in sin. And say, well, that's okay. God forgives me because we're in the New Testament now. That doesn't, that's not how it works. That's, that's part of the deceiving spirit category. Get out of sin if you're in it. And doctrines of demons. That's the, the false teachings, the false prophets. It's doctrine. It's not orthodox Christian faith. It's departing from that. It's saying that, oh, it's okay now to have homosexual ministers. It's okay now to have abortion. It's okay. Uh, it's all right. Jesus maybe is not the only way because, you know, like Krishna's okay and Buddha's okay and it's all one God. There's a rise in this type of thinking. And we're departing the truth. We need to be careful of that. And in these last days, we're going to see extra pressure on the people of God to believe this stuff. That's why you must stay in the Bible. You must know the Bible. Follow the Bible. Stay in church. Get your kids in kids' church. Teach them the Bible. It's going to get even more dark and intense. Don't be tempted to stray away from Christian faith. and Do it your own way. Stay in, amen? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. We're going deep and it's dark, but we're going to come back up towards the end. Is that okay? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Another warning. It says, beware, brethren. It's interesting just to stop there and note the context. Brethren is another word for brothers and sisters, or the Christians. So this is a warning to Christians, okay? Which is hopefully most of us. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. The gross, deep darkness is trying to cause you to depart from the living God, cause you to fall into temptation, deception, back down because of persecution. And here we see the author saying, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. This is why church is so important. It's not so we can sit around and happy clap. and It's because we're in a real war. I love the happy clap, don't get me wrong. But there's something that's so important that we are doing. This is real. There's a real battle. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the army of the Lord, but there really is an, there's an enemy that's trying to come against the gates. The gates of heaven. Amen. I think there was, a, there was a young one shouting out amen. Jonah, was it? Good work, Jonah. Out of the mouth of babes, praise is perfected. That's, and we have, we've got to bring up our children hearing this stuff. Bring them up in the church. Don't be tempted just to treat church as a, just a whatever. This is God's design to help you. Church is God's idea. It says here in Hebrews to exhort one another daily. We need each other. Exhort one another. Encourage one another. Hold one another accountable to the truth. If you see a brother or sister going off and astray, call them out on it. Love them enough to tell them the truth. Say, come on, be careful, man. Don't fall into that deception. Don't fall prey to that that deep darkness that's trying to cause us to depart from the living God. We need each other, amen? Exhort one another daily while it is called today. In other words, don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for next month. Today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Warning Christians, that the deceitfulness of sin can cause your heart to become hard and you fall into the temptation of deception. 
Stay in the light. God still hates sin. Yeah, he still hates it. Grace is not a license to sin. I don't know why I feel like I need to hit this again. It's not a license to sin. It's an empowering force to keep you out of it. It's made you a brand new person. It made you a brand new creature. Spiritually, God breathed life into you again and gave you a brand new nature. You're now a partaker of his divine nature. So don't trample on the grace of God again. And let's help one another. Let's not tiptoe around and fall prey to the seducing spirit of political correctness and worry about what people think. The truth still sets us free. And then verse 14 goes on to say, for we have become partakers of Christ. If, this is the balance, we are, but we still have a free will. And that's why the if is there. Because we can, if we want to, still turn away from God. And darkness is trying to cause you to turn away. But if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end, we'll be okay. He who endures till the end shall be saved. Amen? So, uh, sorry to get a little dark with you, but I wanted to talk about the deep darkness that, that the Bible describes there in Isaiah. Now we're going to come back up again. Is that all right? I want to now take you to Psalms chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, verse 1 and 4. Darkness is real. I talked about some of the crazy stuff that's going on. Conspiracy theories are real. Okay, there, there is definitely people conspiring around the world with evil intentions. Illuminati, certain world leaders, and the end goal is more than likely a one world government. And uh, there's certainly a lot of crazy stuff that's going on. I don't know all the details, but I know there's a lot of evil stuff going on. But you know what? I think about Psalms chapter 2, verse 1 and 4. And this is really important. This is the way I want to respond to the deep darkness. I don't want you to focus on it. I don't want you to get drawn into it and hype it up too much because ultimately we're not called to hype up the darkness. We're called to arise and shine the light of God. We know it's real. We know the darkness is there. We need to be aware of it, but I'm not going to be drawn into it and make it my focus. What you focus on grows. Let's have a look at how God responds to this gross darkness. Are you ready? Psalms 2 verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Or why do they plot a conspiracy against God and against the nations and against the people of God? Verse 2. There's nothing new under the sun. This conspiracy stuff's been going on for thousands of years. The enemy's got no new tricks. Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. It's happening against the Lord and against his anointed. Do you know you're his anointed? Saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And this is God's response. <laughs> He's not worried, that's for sure. He's not anxious. He's not paranoid. He doesn't seem to be focusing on it all that much. This is his response. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. <laughs> Why don't you just give a little, little uh, nudge to the person next to you and just have a little chuckle. Let's, let's just join heaven right now and have a little laugh. Have a little laugh. Laugh at the devil for a minute. Just take a little time to laugh at the devil.
We have to stay in joy, man. You, you watch the news too much and hang around the internet, man, you just get depressed and fall into that darkness. And uh, it's a crazy world. And so we have to laugh. The joy of the Lord's our strength. We focus on what He's doing. We focus on the reality that stronger is He that's in me than He that's in the world. The enemy's already defeated. This stuff that's going on is already prophesied. We know that, it, that this is going to happen. But we also know the end result. And we know that the enemy is defeated. And he's going to be in the lake of fire with everyone that caused the damage with him. God will have his way. So he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. You don't need to hold them in derision. The Lord will fight for you. Our job is to arise and shine. Amen? So we're starting to come up out of the darkness now and we're starting to put our eyes back on what really matters. It's important that we understand the darkness, but it's not something that we focus on. God fights on our behalf. We arise and we shine. We resist temptation. We don't bow our knee to persecution. And we're careful of deception. We stay in fellowship with one another. We stay in the Bible. We stay in relationship with God. We don't let the devil cause us to drift from Orthodox Christianity. But ultimately, we're called to arise and shine for Jesus. Amen? I want to read you a quote from a non-Christian psychology magazine. Is that all right? It's interesting, their findings. Some of you guys are like, nope, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm going to read it. You ready? Why do insults once held at a stick inside our skull, sometimes for decades? Why do some people have to work extra hard to ward off depression? The answer is for the same reason political smear campaigns outpull positive ones. Nastiness just makes a bigger impact on our brains. And that is due to the brain's negativity bias. Scientol uh, Scientology. <laughs> That's another one to stay away from. <laughs> Science shows that our brain has a bias towards negativity. Your brain is simply built with a greater sensitivity to unpleasant news. The bias is so automatic that it can be detected at the earliest stage of the brain's information processing. I believe that God created us with the ability to detect danger. That's, that's a good thing. But when, as a result of the fall of man, we now have this automatic negativity bias. The magazines have picked up on it. That's why they, you never see them retract a bad story and tell the good story. Hardly ever. Most of the news that's being sold today is negative. And a part of the reason is because of our fallen nature and our carnal minds. We actually like, we prefer the negative news as, as a human race. That's why we need to be born again. The Bible talks about the carnal mind. It says the carnal mind is enmity towards God. Strong hate. And that's why Jesus said, put on the mind of Christ. We actually have to be disciplined in putting on the mind of Christ so that we're not leaning towards our negative bias through our fallen mind, our fallen state. We put on the mind of Christ and we live out of our new nature now. And so we recognize the darkness, but our new nature says, I don't care, I'm going to arise and shine. My focus is not on what the enemy's doing necessarily, but my focus, my default is to arise and shine. My focus and my default is to say, yes, it's dark, but stronger is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When persecution comes, my default, my first reaction is to now say, I don't care, Jesus is still the answer. The truth still sets people free. And he who the sun sets free is still free indeed. Amen. That's why we need to exhort one another daily like it says in Hebrews. I'm going to finish with this. John chapter 8 verse 12. 
Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So we see here Jesus being described, and he himself says, I am the light of the world. So we know we, we need Jesus. And he was saying that while he's on the earth. He says, I am the light of the world. When there's gross darkness, we need Jesus because He is the light of the world. But now Jesus is not here in His earthly form anymore. He's ascended and He's now seated at the right hand of the Father and He's given us His light. He's given us the Holy Spirit who now lives in us. And the Bible describes us as being His body, the body of Jesus. So with that in mind, we now read Matthew 5.15. Sorry, 5.14. Keeping in mind, Jesus has just said, we've just read that Jesus said that He's the light of the world. Now He says to us, in Matthew 5.14, He says, You are the light of the world. There's a responsibility on us now. He's saying, yeah, I'm the light of the world, but so are you. You're the light of the world because I'm in you. My spirit is in you. My light is in you. And there's no shadow that He can't light up. And if that's true, there's no shadow that you can't light up. Darkness trembles at the light that He brings through you. I was just in Europe and we, were, we ministered at a different church, not the Nigerian church, on, a, on Easter Sunday. And I was really excited to go there because I'd heard some stories about this particular pastor. He'd come out from being a notorious gang leader in a 1% bike gang. Uh, the, same, the same type of level as the Hells Angels. And he was also a staunch Muslim that had a lot of anger and a lot of hurt in his past life. And I'd heard about this man that he got born again radically saved and him and his family are now following Jesus and his ministry is to go back into the darkness back into those groups those gangs so many of those people are looking for answers and they go to these groups because they want brotherhood they want family they want something more real and so he knows that because he experienced that and he goes back into these places and he now has a lot of respect amongst many different groups right around Europe, even right into Russia. And he's like a chaplain. They allow him to pray and to be a light in those really, really dark places. And so he started a, a church, but also a Christian bike group. And so he goes into the, the clubhouses they allow him to go in. He's like a chaplain, prays for people, and sometimes people encounter the Holy Spirit. Then he invites them to come and visit his clubhouse. It's so cool. There's all Harleys out the front of the church. I like it. <laughs> and then they'll often encounter Jesus in that setting and then come to his church service because he has a church as well on the Sunday. So awakening music, we led the worship in his church, and then I was able to preach, share my testimony. And then after... The service, I was outside. I was actually doing a FaceTime with the family. And then after I hung up, I was about to walk back in and a, there was a guy um, standing outside. I didn't notice him while I was preaching, but I noticed him this time and he said, man, I just need to talk to you. I want to thank you for sharing your story. I was able to share my testimony about, some of you guys know the craziness that I was involved in. And I was able to share that and, and turn my, my mess into a message that helped this guy now. It was so awesome. This was, a, this was a notorious gang leader that was very, very hard, a hardened criminal, notorious in terms of his reputation. He's standing there with, he can't hold it back, tears rolling down his face, saying, thank you for sharing that. The light had begun to melt the darkness around his heart because we're called to arise and shine in these dark places. He was so impacted by that message, he gave his life to Jesus. In fact, half the church came forward to receive Jesus because there were a lot of visitors, a lot of people came to make Jesus Lord. It's only a new church. A lot of these guys have never been to church before. 
guy was so impacted that after the service, after we had lunch, he rang the pastor and he said, can you please go and visit my dad? His dad's also a very hard man, the whole family. But he had cancer, his dad had cancer. And we found out that there was no uh, hope, there's no medical hope anymore for him. They sent him home from the, from the cancer treatment. He had cancer in his lungs. And as a result of the treatment, uh, he also now couldn't swallow properly. And it was painful to swallow. He could only drink a little bit of water, but he couldn't eat. And so this guy's now got no medical treatment, can't eat, pretty much on death's door. And because his son had been impacted, this hardened criminal being impacted by the, the light, by the gospel, he invited us to come and pray for his dad. So we went into the house and we began to pray for him. We had translators there and began to pray and he began to tremble. He began to shake under the power of the Holy Spirit. His dad was a hard man too and his mum was there and his brother was there and they're all standing by. It's interesting on death's door how people really begin to open up to the reality of eternal life. And I praise God for the mercy of God. This guy's probably had a trail of destruction in his past, yet the mercy of God, His mercy never fails. He's, he's God's constantly going after us, trying to reach us right even right to the end. So we pray for Him and he began to tremble. I noticed the mum and the brother, the whole room, the light of God, the glory of God filled the whole room. And I could feel it, but I could also see that these guys could feel it and they've never experienced before. It was so beautiful. And tears begin to roll down their face and he's trembling. They knew something's going on here. This is, the doctors can't do anything, but something's happening. I don't know if he's being healed, but something's happening. He's trembling. We said, what's going on? He said, my heart's beating really fast. And we said, well, have some water. Let's test it. So he drank some water and he said, it hurts more. It's not a, not a great response after you pray. But I want to tell you this part because it encourages you to keep going. Just because it hurts more doesn't mean that God's not at work. It hurts more. Now we could have easily have backed down and backed off, but we knew that God was up to something. And then he went on to say, but it's weird, the pain's moved. So it was in his throat, he couldn't swallow. He said, but the pain's gone down into the center sternum area. And when I hear that, I know that something's up. Many of you that have been around for a while and you know the spirit realm's real, when the pain moves, it's for a reason. It's probably because there's a spirit of infirmity that's infected that particular area. So we prayed again. And I said to him, this time I was, I was a little bit, I started gentle with him because he, he hasn't experienced church before. I started gentle. And then and I said, when it moved, I said, listen, I'm going to pray a little bit more aggressive this time because this is a spirit of infirmity. I don't know what the translator said. I don't know how he felt about that. He probably is thinking, I don't care what it is, just, just get it off, get it out. Isn't that right, Kieran? Get it out. Kieran's been healed of cancer, by the way. Sorry, I just saw you then and reminded me. Love you, bro. How many years have you been here now? Two years, eight months. When he first came, he was given six months to live. No cancer. Come on, Jesus. So we prayed and then we asked him again after we aggressively went after it and he said, there's no pain. And then two days later, they sent me a photo, thumbs up, and he's eating. He's at the table eating. He couldn't swallow. Like, he'd basically given up. He's eating. And then we get another text to say they went to the hospital and they asked for more tests. And as a result of those tests, the doctors have said it's not completely gone. They said that cancer has shrunk. It's smaller than what it was in that short period of time. And as a result of that, they're going to continue with medical treatment, which they thought that they couldn't do anymore. And that's awesome. So we pray that it just completely goes. But that's the update so far. Isn't that awesome? Dark people, criminals, but God's mercy, He loves them, man. He loves the broken people. What you do unto the least of these, you do unto Him. So I want to encourage us. It might be dark. It might look impossible. The news has many, many bad stories. Our natural nature is to be drawn to these bad stories and think, whoa, 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 whoa. But I want to encourage you to put on the mind of Christ 
and choose in the darkness to arise and shine. Shine the light of God. Jesus is the light of the world, but He says, so are you. You're the light of the world. Come on. Glory to God. This guy here preaches to everyone. You know, he used to put heroin in his arms. He was a, he was a absolute drug addict on heroin, messed up. The heroin or speed? Both. All of it. And now look at him. Come on. Evangelist John Boy. Arise and shine. Amen. I want us to all stand to our feet if we can. I've gone a little bit over. I'm sorry about that. If you can bow your heads, close your eyes real quick. I just get a strong sense. I talked about people giving their life to Jesus, being impacted by the gospel. I feel like there's people right now. There's an anointing in the room. There's God is present right now to save, to heal, to forgive. Maybe you have fallen prey to deception or temptation. Maybe you don't know God, but you're hearing this and you're like, I want God. I want this. You thought this is different. I, I, I thought it would be like religious and, and weird and stuff, but this is there's something genuine about this. There's something real. The truth is God is real. Absolutely. More real than what you know, and He's going to even more reveal Himself to you. And this is going to be an amazing adventure. And He loves you. And I've asked you to bow your heads and close your eyes because this is a moment right now between individuals and God. We have a chance now to step out of darkness and supernaturally you make that choice and He is going to cause you to be translated into His marvelous light. You might not understand it. All you need to do is say yes to Him. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.